Hello, welcome back to That's So Fringy podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Rick. And we are here today with another episode. We're going to be going on to part two of our false flag Las Vegas shooting. Um, If you didn't listen to part one, go back and listen to it because we're not going to rehash it. We already hashed it, so we're not going to rehash it. We ain't gonna We've rehash done enough it. hashing. We, we done hashed it. So go back and listen to that. But um, we have a couple of just items to go over. One of them is Bethany is about to have her baby. So she's not going to be with us for a little bit, but she will mm-hmm. be back. So you won't see her for a bit. But um, She's on podcast maternity leave. Yeah, she's having a little, she's taking a little break. Much needed. She's turning all of her paperwork, everything. Everything's above board with HR, <laughs> so that's good. Uh, she's going to be fine. Unpaid fine. maternity leave, though. That's right. We can't wait for baby Malachi to get here. In fact, Kristen has asked for her birthday, which is December 10th, for all of you that are going to be sending her gifts. I know they're coming in the mail. It's fine. (laughs) Um, She just wants Malachi. That's all she's asked for. I just want him to be here for my birthday. Yeah. 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 It's not too much You're so sweet. And it gets me off the hook. I don't have to buy her anything for for her birthday. So win-win. So and then we we've also, got a cool guest coming up for next week that Rick is going to explain. Yeah. It, it was a super, super interesting interview. Very interesting interview. I had a great time talking to John, John Kerwin. Um, his episode is going to be coming out next week. We're going to kind of take a, just a brief break in the um in the series as we continue to do more research and everything like that but to get you guys another episode out i interviewed uh john Kerwin. it was such a great time talking about conspiracy theorists he has a book called the conspiracy theorist survival guide which is a funny title but it's really you know nowadays we have so much going on in the world that we're all talking about that sometimes it feels like you're on a different planet than some of the other people in the world and he talks about uh, a little bit how to navigate that and, and what are mm-hmm. the stressors and, and, and why. Kind of gets into the scientifics of it. And then mm-hmm. uh, also we talked a lot about God I and mean, it was a lot of fun. So you guys don't want to miss that one. It's going to be super cool. Um, that's going to be next, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. So obviously, because this one's this Sunday. I don't even know why I said that, but you get it. Uh, we know what you meant. Yeah. I don't know. We're, I elaborated for you. nothing. Furthermore, I don't really say that word much, but furthermore, we're going to, after our uh, series that we're doing right now, we're going to skip over at the end of it and we're going to do on Instagram live, we're going to do a Q and R, we're calling it Q and R question and response because we don't have the answers to everything, but we are going to do our best to respond to mm-hmm. any questions that you out there in the fringy verse have for us. So if you have any questions about flat earth, you have any questions about uh, God, the, and the Bible, false flags, mm-hmm. all of the, all of the episodes that we've had up until now, we're going to do a big hurrah towards the end of the year and uh, just do a Q and R catch up with the people, figure out uh, what you guys have. Nothing's really off the table when it comes to questions. You can ask, whatever you want. Now, I will not guarantee that I'm going to even answer any of it, but you can ask. You can ask. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we know that you're raring to go. You're ready to get back into this. We left off last time just mostly talking about the 
um, official narrative. Kristen was going over a lot of the official narrative, and there's still even a little bit more an official narrative to kind of go over. This, guys, this event was so uh, packed full of weirdness that didn't make any sense that it's going to take a while to go over. So bear with us. Kristen, again, has lots of notes. And with that, I'm going to pass it to her, the brains of the operation, and we'll get into it. So again, we're not going to rehash the last episode, but we kind of hashed it. We we kind of left off where um, we talked a little bit about Paddock's dad, but I wanted to go back and and talk a little bit more about him because I think he's got a really weird story, really odd Mm -hmm. story. Um, So he was convicted of bank robbery in 1961. (laughs) Then he escapes prison in 1968. So then in 1969, he's put on the FBI most wanted list. I think we mentioned that he holds the record for being on that list the longest. Mm. In September of 1977, he applies for and was granted a license to open a bingo parlor. Mm. He was investigated, but they somehow failed to realize he was an escaped prisoner. So, and I don't know how much people know about money laundering. It happens in all sorts of ways, but bowling alleys, bingo parlors, hair salons, barber shops, like that kind of stuff is is pretty prime for for doing money laundering stuff. So it Mm -hmm. seems odd that they would give him a license for a bingo parlor after they investigated him, air quotes, and uh, they still somehow didn't know that he was an escape prisoner. Super odd. In 1978, though, he was captured and arrested in September of 1978. He's then, which this just seems so weird to me, but he's then let go on parole. Okay. Okay, so you've got a guy who's already escaped prison and been on the run for a very long time. (laughs) I don't know. And then he's granted parole somehow. Okay. Yeah. So then he's... uh, Arrested again in 1987 on seven racketeering charges. But somehow, so he learned his lesson is what you're saying. Right. After he's, the first definitely, round. he's definitely turned his life around. Rehabilitated, I'd say. <laughs> right. So he's arrested for seven racketeering charges, and he manages to escape with zero jail time. And mm. in fact, the only thing that did happen to him is he had a $100,000 fine. So that's the weirdest it, thing. It, it, that it doesn't it does it doesn't add up. Like it makes me think, was he an FBI informant? Did he make some kind of a deal with the feds? Like mm. there has to be some reason because this just does not this does not hold water for me. No, I don't think it holds water for anybody. I mean the fact that he escaped prison and then he <laughs> has a business and he's doing all this different stuff. And then he gets arrested again and nothing happens. It's, it's, you know, kind of like Epstein, you know, you, right. you can get arrested over and over and over again. And for whatever reason, and not, nothing ever sticks and you spend a mm-hmm. couple of days in jail, then you're back out. They call those spies working for uh, like the CIA or the Mossad or something like that. The only mm-hmm. way that you're getting out of prison like that, and you're having all this paperwork confusion that you're seeing is because the government's involved in some way and they're pulling right. some shady stuff that's my opinion but it just seems like nothing in the nothing in his narrative made any sense no and also just that with with steven paddock himself you know he he his story doesn't really make a lot of sense either and he you know Mm. spent most of his life working for the government 
Um, He worked for the IRS and he was an auditor, which auditor is a broad term that can be used for all kinds of things. So I don't know. It just seems weird to me. But so let's start with the. We didn't exactly go over the timeline. I know we mentioned that there's multiple timelines that those get changed for for whatever reason in this day and age with technology the way that it is and all the information that they had at their fingertips they somehow still have a changing timeline there's like at least three (laughs) probably more actually but i'm not going to go over all of them but what i am going to go over is and i'm going to give you the times that that they're giving us but that's just to give a time to it really right so Police do, so the, the shooting starts, the Route 91 festival, Jason Aldean is performing. The police identify where the shots are seemingly coming from, because there is mm-hmm. one window that's broken up in the Mandalay Bay, they say. So at 10-12, there is two officers that report gunfire from the floor above them. So they're on the 31st floor, and they're reporting that the gunfire is coming from the 32nd floor. At 1017, um, officers reported that the 32nd floor, they, or they, they get to the 32nd floor, and Campos, who, remember, was the security guard who went up to uh, check out the open door alert and mm. found, found the access door barricaded with this right. tiny L bracket. Um, so he, they, the police run into Campos and he points them to Paddock's room, says the shooting's coming from over there, blah, blah, blah. So at, between 1026 and 1030, there's eight additional officers that arrive on the 32nd floor. And there is a lot of weirdness with these police officers and what happened. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay. So the gunfire at this point had ceased. There was no more shots being fired. So the police officers moved, you know, systematically moved down the hall, clearing the rooms, and they were using a master key that was given to them by Combos. He was, you know, obviously like, hey, let's get these people out of here. Um, So they used that master key and get everybody out. By 1055, the officers had finished evacuating the guests, which is also weird because there's reports of people that were on that floor that said, we never... Nobody ever came to our room. Like, they seemingly didn't even really know that anything was going on. Right. So it, it's very odd, but yeah, we'll go with it. At 10.55, officers finish evacuating the guests. So then we fast forward to 11.20, and the police breached room 32.135 with explosives. So they that was their entry into the, the big suite of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, Paddock is then found dead on the floor from a self-inflicted gunshot wound, but there's, again, a lot of weirdness there, considering he, they, the official narrative came out that he, originally that he'd shot himself in the chest with a rifle, which is very odd, (laughs) and, and doesn't really make a lot of sense. Difficult. (laughs) Difficult, right? So he's, so he's, they go in there, and he's laying, and we do have some pictures that Ripple put up of the crime scene so if you're a little mm-hmm. squeamish i mean things are blurred out but still um right. he's so he's laying on top of a rifle and then on his so then well obviously then the story changes and it was he shot himself in the head with a revolver like it was colonel mustard in the, with the revolver. so he shoots himself in the head with the revolver but he's laying on top of a rifle and then over the top of him he also has a another rifle on a bipod 
So this and and the revolver that he supposedly shot himself with was like flung really far behind him, like in an unnatural way. Yeah. So those those were some weird things about that part. Well, my thought on the revolver is just weird. Like you got a guy that's <clears throat> whether he's an arms dealer, uh, which I think he is, or he's just some guy that wins a lot mm-hmm. of money at poker and he's pissed at the government. So he decides to shoot up a bunch of Trump. <laughs> supporters like whichever narrative you go with the whole revolver thing doesn't really make that much sense because like most people don't really use revolvers that much anymore unless you're kind of you know an older guy or you're kind of a western dude or whatever like that most people that are carrying the type of military type type guns that he had m4s 308s you know, hundred round magazines, mm-hmm. bipods, very tactical type stuff. I mean, he would have had something more like a Glock or, you know, something that's a little more tactical. It just seems like he was kind of in a tactical lane it, just mm-hmm. based on the weapons that were in there. Yeah, now, I would agree. Those could have been provided by anybody. Those could have shown up anytime, anywhere. But not to get ahead of myself, these revolvers just just doesn't even it's like it doesn't fit in the scene one Mm -hmm. of these things is not like the other type thing you know Mm -hmm. oh i agree so they so they stumble upon this scene they get into 135 and then they realize that suite 134 which is obviously the adjoining room is locked from the inside so this is another weird thing they said in the official narrative that paddock was running back and forth between the two rooms well how could he be doing that if 134 was locked from the inside and again 134 is the room where the window was broken and that was where they found those eight casings that that went over to the airport so so anyway, in the they... one room there's a window broken and in the other room there's a window broken and there's a door in between the two and right. the official narrative is stating that he's going through one through into the other room shooting out of that one and going right. through the other room and shooting out of that one. However, but somehow this this whole shooting only lasted 10 minutes. And it was locked from the inside, so and, there's literally yes. no way for him to run back and forth. Right. If so he's they... dead on the floor in, in the room that's open and mm-hmm. the locked door has nobody in it. Right. Right. Mystery. Huh? Just, it just doesn't make any sense. So they then have to get into 134 because it's locked. And so they breached 134. And this is really, so I guess I should say in the, the eight officers that we were talking about, they were in the elevator and there's body cam footage. All of them are wearing body cams. That's what mm-hmm. we as taxpayers pay for is for them to wear these body cams. Yep. So Go Nevada, in, you paid for yeah. all those body cams. Woo-hoo. Good job. They did a lot of good here. Um, so they're in the elevator and they have been told to wait for SWAT, wait for SWAT, wait for SWAT. So they're in the elevator and then all of them, it's like one person goes, turn off, we got to turn off our body cams. I think we need to turn off our body cams now. And then it's like repeated over and over and over. Turn off your body cams. Make sure your body cams are turned off. So then they all go dark, right? But there's one guy who was actually a canine officer. And it it almost looks like he tried to turn off the body cam. But like instead of turning it off, he just kind of twisted it. So it Mm. was like it was misaligned. It wasn't pointing forward. It was more pointing like at a space. But it was still Mm. recording, which is Mm. which is very important. So when they breach into room 134, 
uh, one of these officers who none, there's only one SWAT officer on the, in this whole crew, but somehow yeah. they still go in. Um, so they get into 134, and one of the officers shoots on accident, a misfire, whatever you want to call it, a three round burst. Which I I know that you can obviously have on like full automatic or whatever, whatever. And there is a three round burst setting. Mm -hmm. So does that mean you push the trigger one time and three rounds come out? I'm yes. assuming. Yes. Okay. So they breach the room and there's a three round burst that, that is accidentally discharged, but mm -hmm. nobody is hurt is what the official story is. Nobody's hurt. It's just, whoopsie. We, we made a mistake and yeah. shot into this room on accident. So weird that's wild because and the whole thing about waiting for swat doesn't make any sense to me because in, right in all of the active shooter literature and all of the active shoot trainings that everybody's been through i've conducted them been through them multiple times all the literature says that it doesn't you're not waiting for swat you're not waiting because it, when there's a, a, the possibility of a loss of life you're not waiting for swat to come in that's right it's ridiculous if, if you have hostages and stuff like that where you have sure. negotiation going on a barricaded suspect all those things then you would want to wait for the proper time to breach and all those things and get negotiation going but mm -hmm. you're not going to wait for swat in an active shooter right. scenario they're just not going to yeah weird yeah. So uh, at eleven twenty-seven, after they breached room one thirty-four, they announced over the radio that the suspect was down. So that was kind of like, oh, cool, end of end of the story, right? No, yeah. absolutely not. <laughs> um. So the there in the report of the officers that breached that room, there was there was eight of them: SWAT officer Hancock, officer Newton, officer Donaldson, officer Trapeze. I don't know how to say that one. Officer Walford, Officer Magsese, and Officer O'Donnell. And then there was that Sergeant Bitsko, who was the can Swap canine down. officer. And oh. he was the only, yeah, he, he, was the, he was the canine officer, didn't have his dog, but he was the only one that had his body cam still running when, mm. they, when they go in there. Um, and there's a little bit more on that. On that picture. Yeah. On episode you, 762. If you have your body have cam more. on, and the most important part of this, my thing <laughs> is, it's like, if somebody was to turn around and tell me, turn your body cam off, I'd be like, why? Right. And th there's what? a video of this. I mean, there's body cam footage of this happening, and they all just go, okay. <laughs> and they all pee off their body cam, which just seems weird. This seems like the most opportune time to have the body cam running. Because then well, you know you're exactly not a, what happened. You could get fired for turning off your body cam. Like you're so, That's the true. reason I never of that. for your body cam being on is so that you can be in interaction with Joe Public, and there can be record of that. And so it either goes in favor of Joe Public or it goes in favor of the police station. But that uh -huh. comes to litigation later later on. But. If somebody tells you that's on the force, tells you to turn off your body cam, you're now going against the rules of the the precinct that has put this into, I mean, there's a reason that they bought all of them and they right. put it into play. So well, and it's turning not, them it's off. Like is, coming, it's like going to work without your tools, you know, like mm -hmm. if you're a contractor, you're not going to go to work without any tools because you're not going to get anything done. Like it's one of your tools, the tools of your trade, and it they, they need to be kept on. So well, especially I, yeah, it, in this day weird. and age of, of litigation and everything mm -hmm. like that, it's like if you're going to go into the room 
where you're having a mass shooting. Apparently there's somebody shooting out of this room with a machine gun, you know, they say, mm -hmm. and you, you want to go in there. You, you know that this is, if he's alive or if he makes it out of there, you know that this is going to trial. Right. Yep. If you capture this guy, he's going to trial. And so what evidence do you have of the room and all of those things? Well, we don't get any of the room evidence until later. And those are just snapshots. And those can all well, be and what's, staged. What's funny about when they when we did get the body cam footage. So essentially, the, the um, police department and the city had to be sued actually multiple times to release mm. this information. But they did finally get sued and had to release this body cam footage. And but nobody talked about it. It was like it wasn't really reported on. In yeah. fact, it was really weird. And we have a graphic of the the reporting within 10 days of this shooting, like pretty much almost all reporting had ceased. There was mm. very few news stories that were still talking about the Vegas shooting, which is really weird. Because a shooting, especially the biggest shooting from a single gunman in the United States, would be a huge story, right? You would think. For months. But for months, years even, right? Yeah. People no. still talk about Columbine, and that happened in, what, yeah. 99? Exactly. No, so it, the, the graphic is like, you know, here there's lots of stories, and then whoop, drops all the way down, and there's like barely anything about mm. it. Which is probably why people don't really remember it. And when you when you tell somebody, do you remember the one October shooting? They have no idea what you're talking about. Literally mm -hmm. no idea. If you say the Vegas shooting, then it then it you know turns on a light bulb or the Jason Aldean mm -hmm. concert shooting or whatever. But nobody calls it one October, and nobody was talking about it. And there's there's video of people that you know live in Vegas, work in Vegas, at the casinos, and they're like, nobody is talking about this stuff. It is so yeah. weird. Nobody's talking about it anymore. Um, okay, yeah, so for let's a situation go... to just be swept under the rug like that, and you know, no more news, no more nothing. Yep. It's just these are the things that we like to, as conspiracy theorists, point out to people and say. These are things that make you go, hmm, you know, this is a, one of those moments where you should, instead of retreating from this, like, well, that doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to go about my day and do something else. No, we should lean in to it and we should right. say, okay, what is the truth? Because we should be hungry for the truth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this stuff gets weirder and weirder. So let's go to a little bit of the response immediately following the shooting. So the McCarran Airport, obviously, which was right next door and had the rounds fired into the jet fuel tank, they're shut down for several hours. They grounded flights. They had to reroute more than more than 25 flights. So there should have been no air activity, which is going to come into play in a little bit. Hmm. Um, airport operations, though, at McCarran resumed at 1240 a.m. on October 2nd. So they were really only close. And there was there was more than one 911 call that there was an active shooter at the airport on the runway. Yeah. But somehow they're still they're back up and running by 1240. And this shooting is it is completed at 1015. <laughs> so that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, it's, especially considering they have another airport in Vegas. That's not the only airport. Right. So more on that later obviously we have a lot more um most of the strip was actually closed they had sw swat for what, what, whatever their 
job was that they were going mm-hmm. around the strip and trying to collect evidence and trying to, you know, I think probably trying to figure out what the heck is going on. There was a state of emergency that was announced for Clark County at 2.45 p.m. the next day. So they... The next day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they did a, a state of emergency, which I'm assuming comes into play because then you're eligible for certain like funding and I don't I don't know like what was the point of it but I know that their hospital was hit really hard with people and mm-hmm. blood and guts and all kinds of stuff so it could have been to you know help with that kind of thing maybe they sent some national guard people in to help with the hospital cuz I mean you have the initial shock of all these people getting shot but then there was 800 and something people that ended up being injured because people got trampled people i mean it was it was crazy it was crazy and what they didn't say on the news ever was that there was shootings going on that whole night it wasn't just this one 10 minute uh escapade there was shootings yeah. going on all over the place and you guys if i if i had all the time in the world i would have gone through all the 911 calls but there was so many 911 so calls that night it was absolutely bonkers the number of 911 calls that that went on that came in that night of specifically shooters or people from acting all over weird the or, yeah from all over the place mm-hmm. um let's see let's do a little bit of in paddock's room so some of the stuff that we do have some pictures for some of this stuff if you're squeamish probably yeah. not the best time to look at it but um so when they approached Paddock's room, there was that webcam that was on the room service car sitting outside of his, of his room. Mm. Um, but the funny, it was, so and it wasn't recording. It was just a live feed. But the funny thing is that it was no, the computer that this was broadcasting to was nowhere near where Paddock was shooting from in either room. Let's say he was shooting from both rooms somehow. Okay. This, this computer is nowhere near so if you're, you know, staging a whatever big shooting, a big a big deal like this, you're going to want to watch the door, but you're going to want to have it like near where your center of operations are, right? Mm-hmm. This was mm-hmm. like way off because this was a suite that was really big. Mm-hmm. This was like way off in a it, like over by itself. It wasn't anywhere near mm-hmm. and and the guns that were in the room were they were just kind of like laid out all over the room. They weren't like, you know, lined up. Because obviously, if you're going to shoot down into a crowd of people, you're going to have to shoot through a window because that's your only access point. There was no sliding glass door or nothing like that that he could get get out of. So why wouldn't you have all of your weapons lined up like, like in front of the window? The window. Yeah. yeah, but they were all over the room. They were like on the couches and on the beds and laid out much more like he somebody was coming to look at them not like yeah. he was planning on using them in my opinion is what it looks like right um <clears throat> there was a handwritten note that was found in his room that no handwriting analysis was done on so we don't know if it was really pat if it wrote it but there was a handwritten note found in his room that was calculating like distance and wind speed and trajectory and all kinds of stuff like that from his room to the concert goers at the festival mm. which seems Okay. Yeah. It seems planted to me, like, if I'm right. being honest. Um, well, this whole situation seems planted. His whole room seems staged. It in, does. In, 
you know, when you, when you do an analysis of the pictures and you're looking at all of that, like nothing really makes sense tactically, especially if Mm -hmm. you're a tactical person like me, you're looking at these things for, for, like you were saying, your gun should be laid out. Your, your Mac should be laid out. You're not, Mm -hmm. you're not running all over the place. And usually if you're going to get into a situation like this, you would want a spotter and you would want another shooter. You'd probably want a three-man team for something right. like this. One in one room, one in the other room, and one spotting and, and watching your six. There's there's not a reason why you would have a hallway camera if you're going to be on the gun because you're not going to see it. Right. And supposedly he was watching the live feed because he knew that uh, that compost was, was there and shot 30-something rounds through the door at him. Yeah, so or somebody how, was watching the feed. How is he shooting over here through the door, but then also shooting over here? It just it just doesn't make any sense. Um, so here, enter ugh, this guy. I'm sorry. When I even just look at pictures of him, he makes me like. <laughs> so Clark County Sheriff Joe Lombardo. He was Lombardo. The, he was the dude. He was the dude in charge, right? So he does real a press MVP conference. of yeah. losers, right? So he does a press conference on October 4th, um, and he stated that there was evidence, which he declined to discuss the specifics, but there was evidence that Paddock intended to flee the scene and may have an accomplice. Mm. So, but this was on October 4th, and according to everybody on October 2nd, and according to the police department, he acted alone. He was a lone wolf. It was a lone gunman, right? Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden... And what what else is weird is when they went into his room, they found a bulletproof vest, which he was not wearing. Seems like something you might put on before you start this type of thing. <laughs> so they find a bulletproof vest and they find a breathing apparatus in case he was gassed, which is really weird because then they, they later explain it was basically a snorkel that was taped to the outside, to the window, so that if he was gassed, he would be able to still breathe so he has that level of forethought and yet i don't know it just it does it just doesn't make sense yeah it's again going back to the staging of equipment you know like Mm -hmm. why doesn't he have the vest on why is he not prepared you know for these things and and if if he's a lone gunman and he's gonna go out in a blaze of glory which is what they kept saying why did he only shoot for 10 minutes why did he stop? You think a security guard coming down the hallway is going to stop him from shooting if he's if he's this set up to and he's this, you know, like dead set he's going to do this thing. Compost is not going to scare him. Like come no. on. No, and the, the amount of magazines that were in his room, 100 round magazines, stacks and stacks mm-hmm. and stacks and stacks mm-hmm. of 100 round magazines full of yep. rounds. Like wh- why like, why did he stop? stop? Why would yeah. you stop and kill yourself? Because they didn't breach the the room for an hour mm-hmm. after the shooting stopped. Mm-hmm. One which, hour, which is funny because there's more on that in a little bit. But yeah. Um. So then there is this body cam footage that we that we do end up getting from the police department. Um. When they are in room one thirty five, which is the suite, there is there's one pillar there's multiple pillars in there but there's one pillar that has a window to the right of it 
Um, and, and this is the window that he supposedly shot from. Okay. And, and it's it literally like, if you look at the schematics of the room, this is the only possible location mm-hmm. that, that he was at. Um, so when they're in the room, you can see the officer pan over this way. And they say multiple times, this window is not broken. The curtain is open, but the window is not broken. And they're like, no, it's not broken. Like over and over and over again, very adamant that this window is not broken. Um, which we'll get into that. Okay. So I'm not even convinced <laughs> that a bullet would break one of these windows. Cause these were our, these are, you know, supposed to be hurricane force windows. Supposedly he broke them with this little like miniature mallet. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Like some officers are like, well, even with a bullet, you wouldn't have been able to break that. Like it takes, like a like an explosive charge in a you know a square pattern or whatever because you have to get it from multiple areas in order to break through a window like that so right that part is really weird but it's very very clear that that window is not broken the curtain was open but there was no damage to the curtain no damage to the window not to mention on the video camera you can see the officer that's standing over there and when you look at the crime scene photos, there's glass and brass and all kinds of shrapnel all over the floor. So when this camera is looking at the officer who's very clearly saying this window is not broken, mm-hmm. he's standing on nothing. He's standing on clean carpet. There's yeah. nothing on the ground there. You would, have, you would have heard his boots crunching on it. You would have, I mean, probably you would have heard boots crunching the whole time because there, this glass was all over the place, right? There's yeah, no when you sound. see the official pictures, there's stuff all right. over the ground. All but over the in, place. But in the, in the feed from that camera mm-hmm. that was supposed to be turned off but wasn't, there was none of that. Clean okay. carpet. No, no shrapnel on the ground. Um, and again, no damage to the curtains, nothing like that. So, and then the, the BBC, who, whatever, they're probably corrupt also. I mean, they're all owned by the same place. But they were mm-hmm. reporting all night that there was only one window so they're like, there's one window broken in this room 134. And, you know, that was the narrative that, that everybody went with that whole night because there was only one window broken. Yeah. And it was um, the one in 134, which is correct. where they found the eight casings. Right. So those eight casings that were used to shoot at the airport were the only casings that were found officially in the room you know according to the video cam yeah according to the video camera and according to the uh reports the initial reports from the officers and from everybody Mm -hmm. else there was only eight rounds that were fired and those are Mm -hmm. the only ones that they found so here's a fun one the aerial helicopter footage because you know the metro whatever came and had their helicopter up there um so they're essentially the only ones that could confirm what windows were broken the uh, that video footage is missing oh, I, hate, I hate it when i misplaced my video footage like that don't you when you misplace Weird. your camcorder yeah i mean it's it we all know the video footage that we saw the next day of the two windows and the curtains flapping around in the wind through the open window it was very dramatic right but oh, there's 9 11 yeah, there's no, there's no nothing that, no footage that shows there being two windows broken. 
But by morning time, somehow there was two windows that are broken, which I will. I say sus. That's mine. Definitely seems sus. Yeah, that's my opinion. Sus. Yeah. So, like I said, they initially said that Paddock shot himself in the chest with a rifle. But then after this crime scene, or after this body what body cam footage did eventually get leaked out and some crime scene, crime scene photos got leaked out, then they changed their story to he shot himself in the head with a revolver. Mm. So, but until that, those, that stuff was leaked, they, they, were, they were saying he shot himself in the chest because... If you look at the crime scene photos, there's very obviously a chest wound. It's not just a head wound. Yeah. Um, so how does a person shoot themselves in the head and in the chest? Right. It was also weird and very suspicious because when they did get into room 135 and they're panning around and you're looking at this window and all this stuff, it's like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you don't know what you're looking at and like, like you said, you don't have that tactical brain, it just looks like whatever. It's not like, you know not a big deal but there's also no body on the ground <laughs> so where his body was laying should have been visible in this right. uh, body cam footage but there was no there was no body and they the other thing that, step over him <laughs> right they would have literally had to step over him the other thing that was weird about uh his body placement is it looks like and we have this picture but it looks like there is a darker so for those of you that don't know obviously i'm a nurse and i'm very medical but blood is bright or frank red is what we would call it frank red when it first comes out but then as it's exposed to oxygen it starts to turn brown which i'm sure everybody knows that's why your scabs are brown so in this picture it looks like there is some older blood and the reason that you can tell the difference is because it's more brown and it appears to be more dry and then over the top of that by his head where his head is laying there is that frank red blood on top mm. of the what looks like a much older blood stain mm. so that that was a, a weird like the crime scene photos just don't add up the other thing that was weird is there was no like arterial spray there was no blood spatter there was no brains mm -hmm. all over the place like right. there when you when you shoot yourself in the head it's it's Messy. It's yep. it's not to be gruesome or anything, but it's it's one of the messiest things, ways mm -hmm. that you can kill yourself. It's just that's just how it goes. Okay. Yep. So there's no arterial spray, there's no blood spatter, there's no brain matter, there's nothing like that in any of this footage. They just keep stacking up. The hits just yeah. keep coming. So then here here we go with Sheriff Lombardo again. So he's he's doing an interview he did a lot of them actually which was really weird and i i thought it was really weird the way because let me just explain it this way i don't think that all of those cops for the las vegas police department are corrupt i really don't i think that they were right. following orders i think that they were doing their job i think the people that are corrupt just like in any other situation that we've already talked about there is like the top one or two at you know at the top and then the the rest of the people are just doing their jobs right but i definitely do think this sheriff lombardo was correct but oh, yeah, he's so he's definitely uh, controlled he, yes for sure and he definitely looks like in a lot of the interviews he looks like he's got like a handler that's standing behind mm -hmm. him in, in a suit that's kind of and you can see him on several occasions lean forward and say something and you know it's just a really weird 
like if you know body language and you're watching mm-hmm. these two interact, it's really, really weird. Um, yeah, and that handler's wearing an FBI pin on his yeah. uh, lapel, by the way. Yeah. So he's doing a so essentially the the media kind of like almost starts to crucify him a little bit because they're like, You're not you're not giving us anything. Like you're telling us you want to solve this case to, you know, make sure that the public doesn't panic and all this other stuff, but you're not you're not telling us the truth, which is actually making everybody panic. Right. So he gets very you know, direct. And this is a quote from him. He says, nobody is attempting to hide anything in reference to this investigation. The dynamics and the size of this investigation requires us to go through voluminous amounts of information in order to draw an accurate picture. So he very clearly is trying to make people make it appear he's above board, I guess. But right. but what he but what he's actually doing is so not above board. Like he's not releasing things. It, it's to, people are having to sue the department in order to get information. Like it was just super weird. So Lombardo, yeah, they're not releasing was, anything. Yeah, I would agree with him in in a, from a, a point of view that is, you know, if I was to play devil's advocate, I would agree that this investigation of this thing is going to take a long time, and mm-hmm. there is going to be mm-hmm. a lot of pieces and a lot of parts. But there are certain pieces that you should know already right. that, you know, early, early, obvious things. Well, and it, you tell me if he's the sheriff. So these these police officers that are in the elevator rewinding. Here we go. <laughs> so we're going back to the eight police officers. Somebody told them somebody higher up than them told them to turn off their body cams. Would right. that order have come from Lombardo? It could have. I mean, he's the sheriff. Not so. There's Metro Police, and then there's sheriff. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's county. <clears throat> so you got county sheriff, who's he was ultimately in charge of the whole thing. But then you have you have all the other uh, city police. You know, Metro mm-hmm. Police, mm-hmm. and so who knows who gave the order? But it has to come from somewhere. It has to come from up above. Because anytime and he you're most on certainly a, would have known that that order was coming down, or you know, getting to Eventually. him, he, he would have, he would have known that at least by October 4th when yeah. he's doing this interview. I mean, it just seems weird. Yeah. So let's it, go through a few, uh, or do you have more on that? No. Uh-uh. That's good. Okay. Go Sorry. I know I'm going fast, but we have That's so good. much, so yeah. much to go through. So some of the discrepancies, um, that everybody remembers the Sandy Hook shooting, right? It was the school shooting, tragic, mm-hmm. awful. There was, a 1500 page report that came out after that shooting of everything that happened. It was all the details. Mm -hmm. So six months after this Vegas shooting, this report that they released has three pages, three, three pages. Yep. Um, So then after a year, it goes bumps up to 187 pages, but it's essentially just an after, like an after action report. So there's no, it it basically just goes through what what the police department's response was to this. It didn't have any answers of, of anything, no motives, no nothing. Um, it was just it was just an after action report, like yeah. But but a fifteen hundred page report on a school shooting, which is tragic and awful. But as far as loss of life, way more at this Vegas shooting. Mm-hmm. And we we ended up with 187 pages. 
Well, and a lot more logistics, right? There's a lot oh, more totally. going on. Yeah. Especially like you were talking about the 911, uh, all of the calls from the 911. Somebody would have to go through all of those 911 calls and, and figure out all of that. And, and they should include a summary of all of that information. Right. I mean, report. it should be detailed like victim by victim by victim. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking just casualties, what we're, we're like in near 60 people, I mean, mm -hmm. at least all of those people get a page. They've all got an aut autopsy report. They've all got mm -hmm. forensic analysis of their body and where they were positioned and, you know, all of that. So they at least should have one page each, but you would think it would be m multiple pages, you know? And the so amount it, of witnesses, if you're taking yes. witness statements, yep. you can get thousands of witness statements out of Vegas if you, oh, if yeah. you wanted to. So yep. 187 pages is just asinine for this right. type of an investigation. It doesn't make any sense. It's a slap in the face to the American people. It is. And it's hard to know like whether. You don't have to say. Right. It's, it's hard to know whether it's, is it just sheer negligence? Or is it more nefarious than that? Negligence is one thing. Okay, whoops, we turned our body cams off on accident. Mm -hmm. But everybody turning them off at the same time, that seems much more nefarious than just sheer negligence, in my opinion. Yeah. So well, when we thing... get to the stuff that you're about to talk about and continue to stack on, I think we'll <laughs> all agree towards the end that something's fishy here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So another thing that was really odd was um, they did not test Haddock's hands or his clothing for gunshot residue, which Why would you? it seems like a simple test to do. Like, OK, I, I don't know. I guess I don't really know what the protocols are, are for something like that. But you would think when somebody's getting an autopsy, that would and he was like a mass shooter that that would be one of the first things they would check was to see if he actually had gunshot residue on his hands because he didn't, he was not wearing gloves well nobody was trying to figure out who did it and this is the problem with things like this with narratives mm -hmm. like this nobody's trying same thing with 9-11 everybody says it's bin laden bin laden you know is is the guy that did it and everybody just assumes that that's that's the thing and the investigations don't happen there are no investigations it's mm -hmm. just paddock he's the guy we already know he's in the room he even though the guns are not set up in the correct position and the window's not broken in the room that he's in and the door's locked to the other room where the window is none of that matters it was him because he mm -hmm. was laying there on the floor but he wasn't and it was like and it was like within an hour cam. right it was like within yeah. an hour that they had released his name as 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 the person not just this it was this guy's room but this is the person this just goes to show you that they already knew right. they already had a narrative they already knew who the guy was they've already placed it on him and there really is no need to do an investigation when it comes to clothing or or um gunshot residue or anything like that because they already think that they have the guy so another another part of it was that they didn't they didn't do any forensics to match any of the ballistics from the weapons in the room to any of the shots fired down on the ground. They didn't. Didn't the court speaking of the autopsy? Sorry to interrupt. Didn't the coroner have to be sued himself? Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. personally, personally, yeah, yeah. His office was sued, and they still couldn't get the autopsy reports. So they they actually ended up suing him as a because you know to be a coroner you're basically a, like an md i mean you've mm -hmm. got so they they had to sue him directly in order to get the stuff 
but and there's there's much more that that comes out in the autopsy reports not just from paddock but from a lot of the victims too but mm -hmm. so they did no forensics to match any of the ballistics they did no forensics on the weapons at all to see that if they were even fired recently like mm. can you tell if a, if a weapon's been fired recently or is it kind of like if there's gunshot residue from it being fired once it's just always there how does that work if those police officers walked into that room and he just got done shooting an hour earlier which is the official narrative those those barrels of those weapons would still be hot with the amount of right. rounds that were mm -hmm. thrown so the barrels would still be warm at least mm -hmm. and there would be lots of carbon in mm -hmm. and throughout the weapons and the carbon okay. is from the from the rounds so you would know and that's what is also on the hand when they're doing the gunshot residue it's okay. the spray back of that carbon that's coming from the cartridges and so they would have had that carbon smell in the air they would have had that gunshot mm -hmm. smell in the air it would have been probably a cloud in there would it which... have set off a smoke alarm or do those just go off based on heat it would have set off a smoke alarm if there was enough rounds fired yeah and i mean if we're talking point... thousands of rounds yeah yeah, so it would have set off the building alarms uh, for sure, and it there would have it would have been very easily discernible whether mm -hmm. those guns were fired an hour ago or not, in my opinion, yeah. or if they were brand new and clean. So, because the so spoiler alert the um, the smoke detectors never went off; they were not going off. They never went off mm. until a little bit later, which is a, which we'll get into, but. <laughs> Um, so as as far as Paddock's autopsy report, the chest wound that he very obviously has in the crime scene photos and was the uh, first narrative that was spit out, that chest wound was omitted completely from the autopsy report. The official uh, the official autopsy, autopsy report, report had, had nothing about a chest wound on it. But this Which picture seems... right but here they... that I'm putting up right now shows that there is... There's definitely, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a circular blood, blood stain splatter. in the middle yeah. of his chest. I mean, there's not, there's not much else it could be. Um, so let's go over a little bit while you're getting that picture up. Mm -hmm. Let's go over a little bit of the inconsistencies with the police officers that were in the room. So it, in the official report, it has those eight officers that I listed off earlier as being the only eight that were, that were present in the room. However, in the video footage, you can see Officer Brett Brosnahan and Corey Mickelson, who were two other officers for the Las Vegas Police Department that were very clearly in the room, um, but they were omitted from that whole report. So, so according to the official report, they were never in the room and their body cam footage is missing. Just completely missing. Just completely missing. Weird. So when they um, subpoenaed it, and they won, and they asked for all the footage, that footage is just missing, and they weren't able to provide it. And they would not give any explanation as to why these two men were in the room, but not listed on any of the reports as, as even being in the hotel. Like they, they were not even supposed to be on the premises, but on the video, you can hear them and see them very clearly that they were there. So I'm not sure what to make. A lot of this stuff is like, okay, they're inconsistencies, but I don't know what to make of them. 
you know what I mean? Like I can't tie it up in a perfect little package and, and make it make sense because it just doesn't. There's just a lot that doesn't. Let's see. So we did, we talked a little bit about the media coverage after 10 days, the media coverage goes to basically nil. Mm -hmm. They never found a manifesto from Paddock. Um, let's see. So let's, here's this. There, they have these reports and you can go on and find them where we have this doc that documentary we put on the last episode, but she's got a ton of pictures and screenshots and videos and all kinds of stuff that kind of, you know, backs up a lot of this stuff. But another really weird thing was the, the door locks. We talked a little bit about the key card and the door locks and the deadbolt, how it has a sensor, blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm -hmm. um, so on the day of the shooting at 1203, mind you, the, the police department still at this for a very long time until they were sued again, said that he was by himself in this room. Then it comes out that there's three other women that are, or there's three women that are registered in the room with him. And the, the food service, I mean, if, if you're looking at the room service stuff that they got, the food they got, mm -hmm. it wasn't, so this is how, if I'm by myself and I'm just super hungry, like, and I do this mm -hmm. sometimes where I don't know what I want. So I'll order two meals and then I just you eat, tell me. <laughs> eat a little bit of both because I can't decide what I want. Yeah. So, but I would, so let's say I would order a hamburger, but then I also wanted some Alfredo. So I would order both of those and then I would order a Coke or whatever I wanted to drink, a dark pepper. Um, so the way that these room service orders came in, it was like three separate meals with three separate drinks. So would you order, uh, I'm going to get a hamburger with a Coke, and then I'm going to get an Alfredo with a lemonade, and then I'm going to get this thing with a water. That's not how you would order it, right? So yeah. it, it came it, it came across, and this was for the, for the whole time that he was in these rooms. This is how the room service orders were coming, which to me just shows very clearly there was more than one person in there. I mean, and yeah. now we know that there was more than one person in there. So there was... Well, because they're on the... They're on the hotel information right as right because so, they're registered guests yeah, yeah they're registered and when they did release the report that had these women's names they had redacted their last names and there was no investigation supposedly into these women so were they prostitutes were they honeypots like what like yeah. what were they other than present they were present that's all we know they were in that room yeah so it's weird, you know, when the, the more that you get into this narrative, the more you dig in, the more you're finding that they're just lying to you right. left and right. And mm -hmm. they refuse to give you the answers. So the so the city and the county there, there's this thing with with state and, and local law enforcement and stuff like that, where they have to. They have to give you this information. You have to be able to get on and see what. Mm -hmm all incident reports, all stuff. It's all public yep, it is. information. And 911 calls included. So you can get online yeah. and you can listen to the thousands, I'm talking thousands of 911 calls that came in that night because it's all public record. Yeah. So the fact that it is public record and they're not giving it and you have to sue them mm -hmm. to get it, it just tells you that they're hiding things. 
They're hiding things. And at that level, maybe not at the police officer level, like we said before, right. the corruption doesn't always run all the way through the ranks. The corruption just really has to be at the top mm-hmm. where they are the, the funnel, right? Everything mm-hmm. comes from down below and funnels up through them. And when the official narrative goes out, that's the you know, that's where it has to make sure that it goes through those at the top, like the handlers, mm-hmm. like that FBI right. guy, Lombardo, that snake. All these people are the ones that are making those decisions at the top mm-hmm. that say what gets released, what doesn't get released, what's redacted, what's not redacted, all of that stuff. So just all of these things that we've laid out up until this point, all of these discrepancies that they're not real really willing to talk about and they're not you have to subpoena them and and take them to court to be able to get it's just ridiculous they Mm -hmm. should be giving it away for free to the public because that's what you're supposed to do a level of transparency when you when you are in charge of public safety there should be Mm -hmm. a level of transparency and i feel like that you know there are laws in place to to do that but um that doesn't mean that they're being followed Right. So you can have all the laws that you want. It's illegal to speed, but I speed every time I drive the car, you know, like it's just whatever. Um, So as far as there's a whole like spreadsheet report that has the key card openings, the deadbolts, like all of that stuff um, is is on this. But Mm. from people analyzing that report, it looked to to professionals it looked like they were somebody was trying to spoof or manipulate the data that was on that was that was going to come through right because mm-hmm. it was like you know key card swiped door unlocked key card swiped again door locked like it was just like kind of this like chaos the whole afternoon mm-hmm. like after after he because he was last seen at like noon and then he orders room service at like one and then so th- for this whole time there's all this weird stuff going on with the door locks, which doesn't really make a lot of sense unless people are coming and going a lot or whatever. So let's say you were going to go down the rabbit trail of perhaps Paddock didn't bring all of these weapons into the room himself. Like they said that they did. Cause the only thing that they really said was that there was security footage that he brought in all this stuff at these times. Right. Mm. But it's like a picture of him with a bellhop behind him with luggage on it, but there's nothing that connects him to that. Like it, that could have just, but that could have been somebody else's luggage. It was right. just a, like, it does. It's not specific enough to, to, for, to convince me that Paddock brought all this stuff in. But sure. if people are bringing a bunch of weapons and ammo and all this stuff in to stage this event, maybe those doors were being opened and closed that many times. Like yeah. we don't really know. But the the key card stuff and the door lock stuff was was really weird. How many key cards did we say? I don't know. I can't remember if we mentioned that in the first episode. How many key cards were issued to the room? There was so there was five key cards made. For That's right. Room. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So a single person, a lone gunman, a lone wolf. Doesn't make sense yeah. in that in that vein. Um. So after the shooting at eleven thirty two, right after police breach the room keep that in mind there's a man that is in the room below on the on the 31st floor so he calls 911 and reports that he heard what sounded like an explosion coming from the room above him 
And then he looks out his window and he sees like glass shards and, you know, shrapnel raining down from mm. the room above him. So this is 12 minutes after they breach Paddock's room. This gentleman calls and says, sounds like an explosion went off, blah, blah, blah. You can hear the 911 call. You can hear the man. What is super weird to me is this man who called because he heard an explosion. We have radio silence from him about with the whole shooting. So the whole 10 minutes where there's automatic gunfire and all of this chaos going on in the room above him. Right. He doesn't call 911. Not once. Not once. He doesn't call until 1132. And so it was just 12 minutes after the police enter Paddock's room. And all of a sudden he calls and says, uh, there's an explosion going on. It just seems really weird. So another and if thing the to police keep... are already in the room. Mm -hmm. Why is there an explosion? Right. Or, or was that the three round burst that that guy let off? Well, no. So, so about that, about the three round burst. So on that, on that body cam footage, when they enter the room, you hear the three round burst. And then you hear somebody else off camera that says, nice shot. Hmm. Or he says, hands up, nice shot. Or something like that. Hmm. Like, like this was an intentional three-round burst. I don't know. It's just it's very weird. Like, you wouldn't say nice shot after somebody accidentally discharged their weapon. You'd be like, what the frick are you doing? Like, yeah. you trying to kill somebody? Like, what do you, like, yeah. you'd, you'd be upset about it. Because this, we're talking life and death with these weapons, right? Right. But he says, nice shot. So then, so here's my speculation on this part. You tell me what you think. Okay. So they enter the room. They realize that they need this window broken because to fit the, the narrative that either they've been given or whatever. So 12 minutes after they breach the room, they put, they put these charges on the window. In a, in a systematic pattern to break mm -hmm. it in order to make it appear as though he was shooting out of both rooms. That's what it seems like to me. Because right. then in the photos that you see, the, then the official, not the leaked ones, but the official crime scene photos come out. Mm -hmm. And that window is broken. There's shrapnel all over the ground. And the curtains have, like, burn marks. Mm. Not like, I mean, if the curtains open... He's not shooting through the curtain. Why would there be burn marks on the curtain? Well, and these are the same curtains that in the body cam footage didn't have any burn are marks. Are pristine, yeah. And yeah. the window wasn't broken. Right. So it seems plausible to me that, you know, if you, if you need to reconstruct the scene to fit the narrative, you, you would want to probably break another window. Because right. all of the guns are in that room. Right? And that's the, big, that's the bigger room. So <clears throat> Yeah. That, it so it doesn't make any like, sense like that he would have all those guns staged in the other mm -hmm. room and was shooting out of in the other room where the door was locked. Right. Like, so they would have to break that window in order to continue the narrative. So, and, and if they used explosives to get into the room, here's another thing. I know we talked about the smoke alarms, but um, if they used a, a small charge to get into the room, which doesn't make sense because they probably could have just kicked the door in. Like it's not, it's. Or it's use a, a key card. Or yeah. It, even if it's locked from the inside and use a key card, you could, you could even kick those doors open. It's not. Didn't Compost give them a key card? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Master. They had a master key card. Yeah. Um, so they set off a charge to get in there and the smoke alarm goes off. 
at that point when they're when they're breaching the room is when so it doesn't go off the entire time he's shooting these thousands of rounds from all these different weapons yeah. it goes off when they set off a very small charge to get into the room or which was it which when they, they set off a larger charge right was it they when they set off a the larger cam. charge to break the window right because i i've seen the body cam footage and i don't remember there being a breach charge on the door I don't remember that either. And the door was already like Swiss cheese because he'd fired 30 something rounds outside at the security guard. Hmm. So it, so, which is just weird. And then, so mm -hmm. then the smoke alarm goes off at that point, not before. And so going back to the, the window being broken, um, the, the, there's like soot almost like burn marks and soot on the curtains that are right there. Would, would, can you think of a scenario where a gun would cause that? And if you, and if you weren't shooting, because there was no bullet holes in it. it. You would have to be shooting through it in order to get that type right. of, you would get some carbon splatter on there, <clears throat> but no, I mean, shooting, especially with those weapons, shooting um, through a curtain would be dumb anyway. So you would want to move the curtain out of the way. Like, and very clearly, in the body cam footage, when they get into the room, the officer goes, we have an open curtain, but the window is not broken. Yeah. So, anyway. I mean, this just goes to show you why they don't want that body cam footage to come right. out and why right. they told them to turn it off. Because they knew that they, the, there was a discrepancy. They mm -hmm. knew that these police officers, especially these ones that went into the room, those guys are very suspect to me. Because... They, it was like a ragtag group of them. Yeah, and it's almost like they had their own little team. They knew exactly who mm -hmm. was going to breach. And as soon as they said, turn off your body cams, they all did it as if it was all pre-designed. And then once they got in there, they, they're they acting like they're supposed to be be acting um, normal, right? If As if their body cams are off. Right. So, so we can surmise that everything that they're saying and everything that they're doing on that body cam is normal activity for them as regular humans because they don't think that they're being filmed. Right. Right. So saying that the window's not broken, saying nice shot, like all of those different things, those are things that nobody was ever supposed to hear. No. And those are things that are just um, like, they're just like a, it sounds like a, just a genuine, you know, a bunch of guys that work together. There was a, there was some, on part of the footage where like one of the officers goes over to like the mini bar area and then, you know, one of them goes, do you want some Pringles? You know, and then one of them grabs a yes. water bottle off of yes, the counter and starts drinking the water bottle. And it was very, it just seemed very strange behavior when this mass casualty event is happening. So here another thing and this will remind you probably a little bit of another story that we've told on this podcast but they were doing active shooter training drills the oh, day they were the day the whole week before actually they were doing these active shooter training drills the police department did hire crisis actors to come in mm. um so it's it seems to me more like maybe these guys thought that this was just another drill mm. Is, is what it scenario. seems like. Part of the scenario. So scenario is over. We've breached the room. We've done our job. You want some Pringles kind of a mm. thing. Because uh, any police officer would know you're not going to tamper with the scene. 
You're not mm-hmm. going to go over and grab the, the Pringles and go through the mini bar and, you know, grab a bottle of water and just start walking down the hallway drinking it like la-di-da. You're not going to do that, right? Right. You're going to preserve, because this is drilled into their minds to preserve the integrity of crime scenes. Like, and the and the chatter that's going on on the microphones on their on their radios should be should be giving them a sense of urgency to get right. on with other things. Right, there are other things going on all over your all your over town, the place. and you and can hear that mm-hmm. on on other police officers that are on duty that night. You can hear on their body cam footage shots fired at the Tropicana, shots fired here, shots fired there. We have a a woman dead over here. You know, I, it was like, Somebody it was came like all night with long. With a machine but, gun to the Bellagio. Yes. Like there's but there's all no of sense of things. urgency in these men is what I'm saying. Like it doesn't make any sense how they, how they breached this room. All this stuff doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Well, this one's getting long. I think we're going to keep talking and probably put we're this just... into a three-parter. But I want to get into, before we cut this one off, I want to get into the multiple guns because the so the crowd is hearing multiple caliber sounds coming mm-hmm. from all different directions we talked about that a little bit on the first one but i want to talk a little bit more about that because now we're talking about the room we're talking about paddock how the weapons were laid out in the room only one window's broken only eight rounds on the ground so where were all these gunshots coming from? The smoke detectors mm-hmm. aren't going off. There's no indication that any guns were going off from the room, except for the one with, you know, through the, through mm-hmm. the 134. So where did all these gunshots come from? Well, and another weird thing with the, with the gunshots is we talked about bump stocks and it kind of explained how those work. But a, a bump stock absolutely would not work on a bipod. Right, because right. the bipod is to keep the weapon stationary, mm-hmm. but a bump stock—the the actual term bump stock—comes from it. The the recoil of the weapon coming back and hitting your shoulder and pushing it forward into your finger, and then shoulder, finger, shoulder, finger. Right. So Which you, means you the rifle needs to actually move right. forward. And so backwards. you don't want a stationary weapon with a bump mm-hmm. stock because it's not going to work. It's sure. literally not possible. But they're all sitting around on bipods. But there, there's the weapons that are facing the seemingly facing the windows are all on bipods. There's obviously there's other weapons laying around, but they're like set up like like yeah. staged. They're not like they got thrown onto the ground. And not to mention, would you just abandon your weapon or would you just put in a new magazine if you've got thousands of rounds of magazines and your weapon is seemingly firing? perfectly because you can hear it in all the footage it's like very precise like you're not having any issues with this bump stock which is really weird because that does not happen especially on a bipod um it it just i don't know it feels very so the cadence of being being in the military and shooting a lot of a lot of guns throughout my time there is a, a certain cadence to weapons when you're shooting a three-round burst, it's very distinct. It's mm-hmm. it's a three-round burst. I've done it lots. It, it's very distinct. Three-round burst. And that's what you hear in that body cam, cam footage. Um, well, they were hearing that over their radios all night long. Three-round bursts going off. They were also hearing machine gun fire, which mm-hmm. 
you know, going through whole belts of rounds. Not we're not talking right. about hundred round magazines. We're talking about a machine gun that's just going and going and going and going and going for long periods of time. And that doesn't make any sense with these weapons that are sitting mm -hmm. in the room and with bump stocks. It just doesn't right. make any sense. Plus no shell, uh, shell casings on the ground, all of these different things. The, the room narrative doesn't make any sense. And the right. people that are on the ground are, and I'll remind you, this is a Jason Aldean concert. We're talking lots of country fans. And what do you get with country fans? You get a lot of people that love guns, a lot and of Trump. people that understand yeah, and, Trump, and understand guns, understand how they work. And they've shot a lot of them. You, you even mm -hmm. had a lot of military personnel in the, yeah. in the crowd. You had a lot of uh, you know, police officers in the crowd, things like that, that were, that were just there watching the concert. So these people are witnesses now to uh, this event and they're telling us from their own mouths that there was more than one gunman mm -hmm. and there was lots of different caliber weapons going off and there was lots of different cadence of weapons going right. off right meaning there was three round bursts going off there was single round shots yep. going off and there was machine gun fire going off those are all the different sounds that they're hearing and if you haven't seen this documentary that we've linked uh in the show Watch notes it. You have to watch it because to get the full story, it's really hard to do on a podcast. This uh, woman puts all of this information together mm -hmm. and does a really, really good job of visually laying out the whole scene and going through all of this. But what these people are reporting is multiple weapons, multiple calibers, multiple cadences. And that just doesn't jive with this 10 minute narrative mm -hmm. of, of firing. It just doesn't. And with the weapons that are in the room. So next right. week, uh, or it'll be two weeks now, we're going to get into the different calibers of weapons. We're going to get into where all of the other uh, shootings were going on all throughout the strip. We might get into a couple of the 911 calls. I definitely want to talk about the Hispanic lady that yes. predicted all of this happening and was going up and telling everybody, get out of here because there's going to be a shooting tonight. All of these things are very interesting and you don't want to miss part three of this. We hope you're enjoying this. We know that it's long. We know that there's a lot of information and you're having to kind of go through it, but just bear with us. It's all going to come together and it's all going to make sense. And in the end, you're going to find out that this doesn't make any sense and that there had to be an inside job. It had to be some sort of a planned event and we'll get into why we personally think it was planned in part three. So with that, we're going to move on and get out of here. But we're so glad. We are so thankful that you guys come back and listen to these episodes. I'm getting a lot of good feedback about this flask, uh, flask, false flag uh, <laughs> series that we're doing. And uh, it's all positive. You guys are liking it. And we're going to continue to do this. Um, we were talking about maybe doing some JFK stuff. We're talking That's about a weird one. doing lots of different things. So, guys, stay tuned. We've got lots of cool things coming up. Don't forget, next week we've got John Kerwin. There's just so much fringy stuff to talk about, and we can't stop. Can't stop a freight train. So, stay tuned for episode three of this series and and even if that was a little bit longer we'll get through it because i don't want to do this could be an 87 part 
It really could. Deal, because there's just so much information. But at some point, it gets to the point where we don't know. Like, yep. we just don't know what happened. And so we can rehash all this stuff and do all this. But, you know, if you if you want the visual and the and the um, audio and all that stuff, go watch this documentary. If yep. you, even if you search for this documentary on YouTube with the exact words, you can't find it. Right. You can only you can only get to it by using the link that is provided. Because I tried to just search for it and it's un it's unsearchable. Yeah, but it's very difficult. We'll put to we'll find. put the link down in there, and it's it's really she does a really good job, and you can tell she's got a lot of passion. She's from Nevada. You can mm -hmm. tell she's got a lot of passion for this. And yep. <laughs> I think Rick just had a little excitement. He just had an accidental burp. He just had an accidental discharge of <laughs> of gas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys, this has been a good time. Uh, hopefully you're learning a lot and we'll uh, see you on the next one. Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you soon. Peace.